Welcome to another episode of Tell Me More. I'm Luke Stair, and Dr. Wiles is back. In a while, we've had a great couple of weeks with Kurt and Connor. It is good to have him back in the recording studio. We have, uh, I think, a really great conversation for you today about the soul, and we hope you enjoy it. Well, welcome back to Tell Me More. We have Dr. Wiles with us again. He has returned from Rome, the mm-hmm. eternal city, mm-hmm. to be with us again. Mm-hmm. How was it? Buongiorno. Buongiorno. <laughs> bene, bene. It was awesome. Had a great time. Beautiful weather. Unlike y'all while yeah. I've been gone. <laughs> I think you lucked out. It was a good couple of weeks to not be in Arlington. I know. It's funny. Uh, my daughter called me. Well, y'all were having another snowmageddon. And, 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 you know, a lot of times we're in Rome in February, late January, early February. It's, you know, it's chilly or raining or whatever. It just is what it is. And uh, But this year, beautiful weather. So she called and she was telling us we're iced in and, <laughs> put, you know, was FaceTiming us. And I, she said, what about there? Well, I mean, it's freezing there. I said, well, actually, it was about 65 today. And mm. we, we couldn't even wear our, our Rome. We call them Rome coats. We couldn't wear our Rome coats. I said, so we, it, beautiful weather. But we had a great time. Glad to be back. Good. I'm sure you had lots of good food. Mm. Saw lots of good things. Mm. Lots of good conversations as you yeah. guided people. Yeah. I always think every time I come back from Rome, I'll never buy another pizza in America again because they just are so good in Rome. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give in eventually. But, yep. uh, but yeah, we had a great time and enjoyed it as always. But it's good to be back. Thank you all for taking care of everything while I've been gone. We do our best. Yeah. Well, you and Connor stepped in and I'm grateful. So, so. We're glad to have you back. Mm-hmm. I know people were happy to have you back in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it, it was a good couple of weeks, but it's always good to have you back. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the soul today. Mm-hmm. How about it? Uh, there are so many things we could go into. Uh, your sermon caused me to think about a lot of different things. Um, but I, I want to dive further into the fact that Christianity is unique. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we forget this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you brought up a lot of really interesting points, um, talking about how other religions really don't transplant into culture well. Mm-hmm. Um, the theological, missiological language for that would be they don't contextualize or they don't follow what some missiologists call the incarnation principle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is Jesus was incarnate in culture. Mm-hmm. And so Christianity becomes incarnate in culture as well. Um, but I was wondering if you could talk more about that. You mm-hmm. talked about it for a couple minutes, but mm-hmm. there's so much to explore <laughs> within that. Mm-hmm. And I think your trip to Rome prompts some thoughts mm-hmm. there as well. It, it always does. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, every time I'm there, it it can it always amazes me um, as to just how Christianity spread, first of all, across the Roman Empire so quickly, if you think about it, in, in, you know, in terms of, of, of a big picture. And so what was it? I always ask myself that when I'm there. You know, I look at the power of Rome, you know, basically built on the power of Greece, if you think about mm-hmm. it. And, and, you know, you had these other ancient empires, the Assyrians and the Egyptians, but but, you know, I think we always look at Rome as kind of the quintessential ancient empire, if you will. And uh, and it was so powerful in so many ways and highly religious. You know, it was just, it just was. What was fascinating to me, always has been about the Romans, in general, um, they allowed people 
if they would behave <laughs> to continue to be, to be religious as they chose, um, as long as you were willing to pay homage, you know, to them. Uh, the Jews, of course, were granted this exemption, if you will. They knew the Jews were monotheists they, once they figured that out, but it didn't seem threatening to them per se. But, you know, the Romans had this um, this polytheistic approach to reality and this whole pantheon of gods, and, and everybody was religious. It just was, or they were. And so that was just the culture. And you think about this message from this one person, basically. Now, I realize mm -hmm. you've got all the history of Judaism, so I'm not discounting that. But, but you know, whenever I'm teaching history, I always ask uh, people who are with me to think about people, place, and power. Mm -hmm. if, if they have the right people who are at the right place and they have the right kind of power, whatever that power may be, well, then you, those are, that's when the pages of history get turned, you know. And because sometimes when you're studying history, um, people will say, well, well, why do you, why do, who decided these dates? Why did you decide 1517 is such an important date? Or why did you decide that, you know, 1648 is the right date? I mean, so, you know, you, you but basically what happens is historians are looking at people, place, and power, and that's when pages of history get turned. And so I always ask our folks when we're walking through Rome, try to imagine how, how did God use people, place, and power to transform this incredibly pagan, powerful society into the Holy Roman Empire, as much mm -hmm. as you know, we might want to critique it. I get that. Uh, my one of my professors years ago used to talk about Constantine's sword. You know, Constantine takes over, rolls into Rome three twelve, and and uh, defeats Maxentius, who had grown up with knew him his whole life and. He was afraid that people wouldn't know Maxentius was dead, so he goes ahead and cuts his head off and carries it into Rome. So that's a pretty good sign <laughs> that you're generally you're, telling you're, your emperor's no longer alive. But, uh, but, and then he, of course, he basically declares that Christianity can be tolerated and then eventually legalized. But as one of my professors used to talk about, he had it, he called it Constantine's sword. It cuts both ways. You know, it's a it. it it also had something that came with it because there was all this um, secular power that eventually would, mm -hmm. would cause the church to be Romanized, you know, not just the Roman Empire to be Christianized, if you will. But still, regardless, I'm always amazed at how Christianity took over, and not just the Roman Empire, how Christianity has been transferable, transplantable in basically every culture that it's ever been introduced to. Right. Every political regime, any kind of governmental philosophy, economic system, just pick something. It's not it's not bound culturally. And and I do believe that makes it unique because uh even even though other religions have been transferable to, transferable to some degree, I think we if you're if you're really honest about it and look at it historically, often that transferability only lasts with coercion. Right. Whereas that's not true of Christianity. Christianity has had days of coercion. We know that. There, you know, you look in, when when um, Pope Innocent says, "Well, I've got two swords now." Speaking of Constantine's sword, you know, in the early 1200s. Well, now mm -hmm. Innocent says, "I've got the spiritual one and the secular one." Well, those weren't the best days of the church. You know, one of the reasons no. the Reformation happens is because of that, actually. But think about it. When it, when even when the that was denied, like the Anabaptists who deny the need for that secular sword, all they want is the spiritual one, and their message transferred itself across cultures, you know, and 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 
has made its way here to us. And so I think there's something unique about Christianity, and I think you're right, that incarnational ability of Christianity just causes it to stand alone in the history of the world. And consequently, <clears throat> now, there are unreached places in the world. We know right. that. But consequently, it is the largest religion in the world today. And it's in every nation that we know of, and it's the only religion that is. And so that always causes me to say, well, so what is it? Right. <laughs> what is it about us? What is it about this message? And I, I believe it is rooted in Jesus, you know, and what he reveals to us and what God's accomplished in him and through him. And, and I think this is a great time for us when we're asking the question, why does it matter? For us to be exploring the uniqueness of our faith and for our, our folks to come to grips with the fact that it really is unique, that we have a message to offer that is unique. We have a story to tell that no one else tells this story. No one else views reality through the lens that we do. And, and I think it's, it's, it's good news. It's always been good news. And, yes. uh, so I'm hoping that as our people are listening and thinking and praying and reading, they're beginning to contemplate just how unique this message is and how, it, how transformative it is right. potentially, you know. So, so yeah. And I think even even listening to Jesus in John fifteen, you know, for him to make this bold declaration, "I'm the true vine." Well, that's a for those who had ears to hear. That's <laughs> that was a powerful statement from him. Yes. And then to invite you then to be branches and invest yourself in him, and and it's a it's a unique calling that Muhammad doesn't issue. Muhammad doesn't issue that calling. Buddha doesn't really issue that calling. No. <clears throat> they don't have that kind of authority, you know. And uh, all due respect, I mean, Jesus makes bold declarations and issues bold invitations, and it turns out it's basically transformed the world. <laughs> and so, and I think I can say that without being hyperbolic. I mean, it literally has changed the world. Right. You know. So. Um, so yeah, I'm, obviously I get in touch with that a little more closely when I'm walking through the ruins of ancient Rome. And I think about Paul, you know, when Paul comes to Rome and, and, and we go out to the uh, catacombs of St. Sebastian out uh, on the Appian Way. And so um, it's always a, a wonderful connection for me to make with our people to say, okay, this road's been here since 312 B.C., okay? <laughs> we can't even get I-35 finished. So. Right. <laughs> anyway, but regardless, <laughs> this road's been there since 300 years before Christ. And so when Paul comes into Rome, he comes through that gate. The, he'll eventually come through that gate the, the, on the Appian Way. So we were we drove on the Appian Way. We walked on the Appian Way. And it gave me a chance to connect our people to our story. Think about when Paul came to this town. Now, the Colosseum wasn't there yet. That wasn't in place. But the, what we would consider the, the forum, at least one side of the forum, the ancient forum, the forum was added to by all these emperors. But <clears throat> Paul would see Caesar Augustus's forum and, and, and Tiberius's forum. Well, these were massive statements of power. Right. There was nowhere else like it in the world. Not Athens, not Alexandria. There was, there was literally no other city in the world like Rome in the ancient world. And so they've got running water you know, in these massive baths when people are, you know, are living in parched environments and the Romans are playing in their water. I mean, they want you to know there's just nothing else like this, right. you know. And so when I think about Paul writing the letter to the Romans, the Roman church in 54-ish, AD 54, and he says to them, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation for the Jew and the Greek. 
And for him to actually come to that city and see that expression of earthly power that was unparalleled, I want to believe Paul was unimpressed. That's what I'd like to believe, that he was not enamored. He knew, I believe, that this was fleeting. And so I love to show that to our people and say, and now that entire forum is in ruin. Right. They had to dig it up just for us to see it. To be able to say, if you had been able to go back in time and walk through the Roman Forum and just start telling everybody, y'all aren't going to believe this, but one of the most powerful men who ever lived is in, in jail over here on, on, on the Via del Corso now, and his writing is going to change the whole world. One day this is all going to be covered up and be a cow pasture. Y'all aren't going to, but the church is going to take over. I think they've looked at you like you have lost your mind. <laughs> you know? Yes. And yet that's exactly what happened. And so the power of the gospel, the power of this message, the power of this story literally has gripped the world. And so that's, I love to think Paul looked at all this and knew this is fleeting. And it's a good cautionary word to us. We get too enamored yes, with that kind of power. It's fleeting. You know? Right. It's only good for so long. But this gospel transfers. And it's good in every culture. It's good for all times. It's good for all people. That's why we take it to the world. You know, one time I was at a church in West Africa and um, I was I was worshiping in, on a Sunday morning and they had built a building, a structure. Well, they, they were, they're an Anglophone country, so they, the British colonized them, so they speak English, but that's not their heart language. Right. Their heart language is a different language, but they, but they do speak English. And um, so when the worship service started, we sang a hymn out of a hymnal, okay? Well, I immediately recognized it, and I watched them while they were singing it. We sang it, and it was fine, meaningful, and all that. Well, then we had a time of prayer, and then they transitioned, and then they started singing their songs in their language. Well, it, it, was, it was completely different. It was mm-hmm. animated. It was, uh, and I was sitting there watching, and it was, their, it was their theology, Christian, rooted in Christ, but... Done it's their African. way, yeah. Done their way with their rhythms and all of that, and it was powerful. And I was sitting there thinking, this gospel's really good. You know, on the one hand, they they had been colonized by the British, so there's a little shout out to them. But when they really wanted to express themselves to God, they did it in their heart language, and it was beautiful. And I thought, man, thank you, Lord, for a message that just it just translates everywhere. You know, so uh, mm. all that kind of comes to comes together for me in Rome every year. <laughs> and so uh, you got a little taste of that yesterday, I guess. Yeah. So, well, it was a good taste. Yeah. So that Rome trip, I think, sounds transformative. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awesome. And as we moved, we started talking more about the soul. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have a flimsy theology of what soul mm-hmm. is or what it means. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could kind of help develop a more robust mm-hmm. vision of yeah. the soul. Well, and, and you know, you and I were talking before we started this. I, I have been influenced by Dallas Willard <laughs> for sure. Um, but also hopefully by the New Testament. I think that, um, you know, this this idea that that you can kind of compartmentalize us out, you know, where your mind and your body and your spirit and are, are all very different and distinct. And I, I get that. For sake of conversation, I think that's okay. I think we have to do that just to try to understand how complex we are. <clears throat> but when I think of our souls, I, th- I think it really is that integrating principle that's that 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 life that's a part of us that makes us whole that makes us who we are it's what makes you 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 know you could i've i've shared before you know you could uh, i could be in an accident and you could you know i could lose my arms i could lose my legs but i don't but i won't lose myself you know Mm -hmm. there's something deep about me and and you might 
I might be discouraged. I might have I might have times where my mind is not functioning the way it should. Perhaps that may happen to me. Happens to a lot of people. But you still don't strike at the essence of who the person is. There's something deeply inside of us that animates it all, that integrates it right. all, that brings it all together and makes it. Sorry, I keep hitting this microphone. Um, makes it that makes it a complete being. Well, that's our soul, and I think that's why Jesus said. How sad would it be to get, to think you can gain everything else and then lose that 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 deepest part of who you really are, mm. lose that? Well, it really doesn't matter <laughs> what else you've accumulated or what else you've accomplished because that's the most important thing about you, and that's what He came to redeem. Because when He redeems your soul, He redeems everything about you. It it it, it your mind is now energized and animated in a brand new way. Your even your body is now to be. I mean, when Paul says. You know, put your body on the altar. Make a living sacrifice. Your right. bodies become servants of your soul, if you will. So you start living a different way. You you reject some of those natural impulses that that take people to all kinds of extremes in their lives. Well, your soul is what you, you don't. I don't think your will is strong enough to just stop some things. You know, think, well, I'm by the sheer force of my will, I'm going to stop so and so. Well, sometimes the will is just not strong enough. You need no. something better, deeper. Well, what is that? I would say it's your soul. It's that part of you that God redeems fully and completely, and then it leads to the holistic redemption of everything about myself. And right. so that's kind of how I see it, and I think that's what Jesus was saying. Okay, get connected to me, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make your soul healthy. Mm. And if your soul gets healthy, well, that just has a way of introducing health in a, in a beautiful way throughout the entire person. And that's the message of Christianity to me. You know, it's it's a holistic message of redemption that I just don't believe I just don't believe is taught anywhere else. Because when 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 the Lord does that, He doesn't um, invalidate your personal identity. Mm. You know, He yes. He allows you to still have that even in the redeemed state. Again, which as you know, you're a theologian. You've studied. You've taught um, theology in the different religions. You don't get that in in Buddhism. You don't get that in Islam. No. You just don't. But in the Christian message, there's the honoring of that personhood. And, and it's a complete personhood. Yes. And that individual redemption that connects you to a community, a community of redeemed people, is a, it's a beautiful thing. So I think our souls, I think to me, is that if, if, to me, if you want to, if you want to speak to the deepest part of a person, that's, that's what you... That's what you communicate with, their souls. And that's what Jesus connected to. And I think that was a part of the attraction. Mm. You know, Jesus couldn't go anywhere because <laughs> he knew, everybody knew he was talking to their souls. There was something. Now, he might heal their body. Right. Of course. He might correct their minds. He, absolutely. He would, he would say, well, you know, you've heard it said, but, but I'm, I'm going to say this to you. Sure, he's, he's um, transforming their theological perspective. Um, he's, he's preaching and teaching fulfillment. But what he was really doing, though, was to me, he was he was offering a message to the soul of every human being, right? And that's the that's the gospel to me, and that's what's redemptive, and that's the holistic change that God can bring, and that's how families get transformed, and you know, um, neighborhoods get transformed, and and things can turn from bad to good if you get enough souls <laughs> healthy <laughs> and living redemptively. You can accomplish quite a lot in this world, and I think that's. The, I mean, the the church has done that. Mm, the church isn't yes. perfect, but the church has done that, and that's why I think 
So it endures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think if, to put it succinctly, the soul is both the deepest part of the person, but is also the whole person. Absolutely. So I think there's room in Scripture, and I think this is what Scripture teaches even, that you can you can do damage to your soul by what sins you do with your body. With your body, that's right. So it's not that your body and your soul are these two separate things mm-hmm. and your soul is this spiritual bubble or whatever mm-hmm. inside of you that's going to float out when you die. Right. It's, mm-hmm. These things are kind of a Greek view that there's that such a disparate separation, you know, between the mind and the body or the spirit and the body, which... That's like you just said. It's you. Yeah. It's all of you. and That's why you will have a bodily resurrection. That's right. Exactly right. And I, and I think even now there's some bodily presence in eternity, you know, for believers. But it's not the full. No. It's not the full one. And, um, and so that day is coming. And, um, and I think the soul to me, you know, I think about how it's just, it's just you. That is you. Your soul right. is you. Pick pick a part of you. Absolutely. Body, mind, heart, everything. Will, emotions, all of them can be God honoring. Only if the soul is healthy to integrate it all in a healthy right. way, you know. And so, um, and I think I think you're probably right. And I think we don't. Maybe we don't talk about it enough. Perhaps um, and that's a good word to me. We need to have more conversation about that to help people understand how. How true that is, and how how that's really the that's a Hebrew concept. If you think about it, I mean, we've inherited that from the Hebrews, that holistic view of a human being. And um, but I think Jesus truly addresses that in us, and that's what we're trying to help people uh, experience health in, you know. And so that's part of the church's job. Yeah. That's why it. we did the winter challenge the yeah. way we did. There was right. an emphasis on bodily health, right? There was an emphasis on relational health, emotional health, mm-hmm. all of those things because they are all a part of what it means to be a healthy soul. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love that. And I love that the gospel speaks to that because to me that perhaps is the, at the heart of the secret as to why this message is so transferable across every culture because every human being needs that. doesn't matter you know, what your background is or – your perspective or your ethnicity or your religious upbringing or your, the culture that you find yourself in, none of that really matters. When you start talking about the soul, every single human being, mm. every single human being is a soul. Yes. <laughs> you know, you don't just have one. You are one. <laughs> Very true. So, yeah. And I love that that's the message that we proclaim, you know. So, uh, and we allow it to be contextualized culturally. Of course we do. But but they're the the core message of the gospel though is what to me makes it so um, so miraculous that it can produce change anywhere and everywhere and then you don't have to there's some things you don't have to change you know there are cultural things that are healthy and good there are some that are much healthier than ours and mm-hmm. uh, so that's not the point the point is the soul being redeemed and uh, and I believe that's what Jesus talks about over and over and over and I think that's what why he said it was so sad to see somebody just pour everything they have into a certain pursuit, but but you don't actually address who you really are. Mm. And you lose that. Just lose who you are in it all. Well, my goodness. And unfortunately, I live in a society where I just think that happens all the time. There are just people all around me that invest themselves fully in something that never really connects with who they really are. And it never mm. addresses what they really need. 
and uh, and it's a it's an empty it's an empty end, you know. Sadly, so, it is. Yeah. So for people who are wondering how they cultivate a healthy soul, mm-hmm. a healthy full self—I mm-hmm. mean, to use that language—that mm-hmm. I think would be mm-hmm. our culture's way of expressing it. Mm-hmm. How how do we go about that? Great word, great question. So Jesus says, "Abide in me, and let me abide in you." And so, what does that mean? How do we do that? Well, what I would say is we've got to be thoughtful about um, how we engage ourselves with God so that we can be healthy, so that we can grow. So think about that. We, we already do that physically. You know, we do that ourselves. We think about, okay, I want to be healthy. I'm going to run and exercise. I'm going to eat the right food. You know, I, I, uh, I have little grandkids. You're a young daddy. You have little kids. Yes. So right now, the conversation at my house, when our little grandkids are over, the younger ones, you know, we have to say, okay, no, you're not going to have M&Ms for lunch. We're not doing that. That's not what's going to happen. Or the little, the little, they love the little, at least Ada loves the little silver bells, we call them. You know, where you, you know what I'm talking about? The little Hershey kisses, yes, whatever. Hershey's kisses. I find that, I find those wrappers all over my house. Okay. So <laughs> we'll have to say, okay, we're not having Hershey's kisses for lunch. Today. That's not what's going to happen. Because we know that, okay, if these children are going to be healthy, then they've got to eat a certain way and they they're not going to drink cokes all the time you know we're going to address what you're eating what you're drinking because we've got sense enough to know you got to do that we may say to them now you know before the day's over you might have some m&ms maybe but not right now you're not eating right. that so if you want to have a healthy soul you can't you got to be careful what you choose to provide as your main diet if you will how mm. are you going to do this and so i would say first of all you've got to bring truth into your life you've got to introduce truth because we need to have our minds shaped by truth because our minds are susceptible. They're sinful. And if we're not careful, we can engage ourselves in all kinds of pursuits where we never really take the time to think about what's really true. And so God's Word, God has chosen to help us understand truth. He's given us the message of truth. It's His revelation of Himself. And so, consequently, we need to read our Bibles. We have to take the time to listen to God. God's going to speak to us through His Word. I know it I know it doesn't sound all that fancy, if you will, but it's just the truth. You know, eating eating a healthy breakfast may not be fancy, but it's the right thing to do. My body needs it. And so I believe you need to read your Bible. And the good news is God has made it available. He's He's revealed Himself to you in a way that you can understand Him. This very morning for breakfast, I'm sitting at the table eating breakfast, reading my Bible, reading John 15. I preached on it yesterday. And so when I first started reading it, I thought to myself, you know, I could have talked about that. I didn't even mention that part of this text. Mm. I wish I'd talked about that. So I started asking myself, okay, next time I talk about John 15, I'm going to make a note. I'm going to talk about this right here. And then I stopped and I said, oh, okay, Lord, that's what you're wanting to give everybody else through me. What what do you want from, what do I need today? What are Mm. you saying to me, Dennis Wiles, today? And so now I'm 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 in this relationship with God. I'm hearing from him. But it's a two-way conversation. Now he needs to hear from me. I need to address him. I need to talk to him about my life. I need to, sometimes I just need to listen to him. And I do that sometimes in my prayers. I say, Lord, what are you, what are you saying? What do you need me to know? How are you impressing me about this? I find myself listening sometimes. But there are other times where I'm begging and pleading. And I'm saying, Lord, do you not know this is going on? I sound like David. Do you not know that this is happening? Right. <laughs> and uh, But I think God 
invites that kind of honesty. So I engage with him in this conversation. And then I worship him. I give him praise and glory and come into his presence with thanksgiving. I gather corporately with his people and offer up praise and listen to him through those experiences. And I have the Holy Spirit in me. I ask him to fill me with his spirit. And then once all that starts happening, Luke, then I start getting this, this impression from God Okay, you need to let some of this goodness that I'm pouring in you affect other people. This goodness is not just for you. It's supposed to be manifested through you. Well, then I start investing in ministry. I get called to do things, things that I see God asking me to do, and, I can, and I'm gifted to do them, and I feel compelled to do them. So I start finding opportunities for ministry, and then I realize there's a whole mission of God at mm-hmm. work here where His Word is being proclaimed all over the world. Well, I need to be a part of sharing this good news, and I need to be a part of His mission. Well... All of those things are part of making it possible for me to have a healthy soul. I'm I'm feeding myself. I'm listening to God. I'm ingesting truth. I'm investing that truth in the lives of other people. And so when all that's happening to me, I'm being shaped. I'm being formed. And God is being glorified. And that soul, that, that Dennis Wiles, is healthier and stronger and more productive and more useful to God. And it's a... It takes a long time. I get it. You know, it's, it's, it's not just going to happen. I don't just wake up and all of a sudden I'm like Christ. That's that's not going nice. to happen. Yeah. It requires something out of me. But God meets me way more than halfway mm. is how I would look at it. That way is a good word. more than halfway to, to bring out that good in me and shape me in a way that honors Christ. And so that to me is what abiding in Christ looks like uh, just on a daily basis. So, Yeah. As you spoke, a couple of things came to mind. Um, I think we referenced Dallas Willard already, but mm-hmm. he has a quote, uh, and it's, grace is opposed to earning, but not to effort. Mm. And so it's a great word. there is effort mm-hmm. involved mm-hmm. in this Christian life. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned in your sermon, you can't do this by willpower alone. That's right. God is a part of this. That's right. But you also don't become more Christ-like by accident. That's right. Um, you also, every Every discipline you mentioned, we talk about spiritual disciplines. We could just as easily call these bodily disciplines mm-hmm. because you do them with your body. That's right. You sat down and opened your Bible mm-hmm. or maybe you listened to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have people, I'm sure, who listen to Scripture. Of course. But you opened mm-hmm. that audio recording mm-hmm. and you took it in through your ears, processed it in your brain. Mm-hmm. There is – your body is involved. Mm-hmm. So what you do in your body impacts your soul. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And trains it and mm-hmm. shapes it. Yep. Um, it's all, it all works together, you know, because your soul, yeah, you, you, you use all your faculties. Every part of it. <laughs> to, to make your soul healthy, you know. And, uh, and the, I love the fact that Jesus makes it possible. He makes it readily available. And he invites us to things that matter. Yes. Hearing his word matters. Hearing truth matters. Being filled with his spirit matters. Um, it affects how I do things every day. Makes my conversations, my thoughts, the way I treat people, um, and so praying. I mean, that sometimes that burden that I'll be carrying, I'll find it released in prayer, or, mm-hmm. or a sin that I've nursed a little bit, and I'm confronted with it. Man, when I get forgiven and cleansed from it, it's like it's like the Bible says. It's like times of refreshing. You just wow, I'm I'm unleashed now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? and uh, so th- those spiritual exercises, they matter. Because your soul matters. Because yes. you matter. Amen. So, Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
It's good to have you back, Dr. Wiles. Thank you. And we will be back next week. for listening to the Tell Me More podcast today. You can subscribe to this podcast on your app of choice, or you can visit us at fbca.org to find out more information about the podcast and our church. Thanks for listening.